Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So the 2021 Pro Bowl is in Las Vegas. Is this a good idea? And will we ever see one in Orlando again? Would you sign a waiver to play your college football season? Ohio State wants their players to do just that. And should sports resume with more important things that deserve our full attention? We'll get all of that from Tom Jones and more and rank the best baseball movies, as he sees it, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks, before we get to Tom, we got our uh, popular mailbag segment tomorrow. You still have time to get your questions in about anything, the Bucks, the Rays, the Bolts. Um, COVID, you name it, we'll answer it for you 100% correctly. Just submit those to us on Twitter, at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. All right, Tom Jones joins us now. Tommy, great to have you back, back to back, back and better than ever. Mm-hmm. Tom Jones, Rick and Tom. Hey, when we uh, last uh, were talking, I, I mentioned at the end of the podcast, so we need to pick it up here, that the Pro Bowl – Yes. Uh, the extravaganza that is now played between the uh, championship week and the Super Bowl is not going to be in Orlando, where, as it has been the last few years, which is too bad because I enjoyed driving over there and seeing everybody, and it was easy for us. But it's going to be in Las Vegas. That's right, Las Vegas, where I, I met John Gruden's there, and they got the new stadium. Um, good idea or bad idea, Pro Bowl in Vegas? Well, it's probably overall a good idea, Rick, and I'm thinking the reason is is because they're trying to get players to come. There, you know, I mean, it's yeah. You know, we've seen recent years that players have sort of tried to beg out of the game, uh, mm-hmm. and I think for a lot of reasons, mostly because they just didn't, you know, it wasn't even an injury thing. It's just like it's not a ho- it's not Hawaii. Hawaii yeah, was not, uh, was a Hawaii was great, but Orlando. And look, we live we live in Florida. We all love Orlando, but for yeah. the players, that's. Eh. But to get them to go to Vegas, I mean, that, that might be a little extra motivation for them to mm-hmm. to play in that game, and so. I guess it's a good idea. I'll get it, and I, we mentioned on the last podcast. I'll get into a much larger discussion about um, about sports. But what you had, you had some thoughts on Vegas, right? Well, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on Vegas. I've only been there a couple times, first and foremost, so I'm not I've an been expert. There twice, as and a, I'm not. A, yeah, yeah, probably two or three times for me, maybe four. But um, first of all, I'm not a gambler. I'm not. I'm not somebody. You know, there's a phrase that says, "Scared money doesn't win." Yes, and so mine is terrified. Of, of playing any of those games. Um, I will get on the nickel slots uh, with people that have really gray hair more than I do, and I'll st- or quarter slots or whatever it is, and I'll play all night because I'm, I'm not a card player. I'm, right. I'm going to lose, and I'm going to lose fast. You know? <laughs> so, um, but there was, there was a trip. The first time, I want to say the first time I went to Vegas, we had a game in Arizona. It, it might have been Emmett Smith's last game, which we talked about in the last podcast. I'm not even sure, but it was about that time. And you remember Shereen Williams, she worked for the Atlanta Sentinel yes. at the time. Um, Hall of Fame, by the way, Pro Football Hall of Fame writer. Now in uh, Texas, right? Now in Tech. Yeah, she, well, she actually works for Pro Football Talk, but she does okay. live in Dallas. Yes, she lives in the, uh, she's worked for Fort Worth, in fact, covering the Cowboys for years and years. Um, so it was her 
and your good friend John Romano. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember why John was there, except that he was pro- obviously there as a columnist, you know, right. I want to say. And um, it was the three of us. And we flew into we flew into Phoenix, and then the game was, and we went in, I think, on like a Saturday morning. You know how you get those flights early in the morning, like 6 a.m., and you're yes. out there at like 1030. And your hotel's you know? not ready, yeah. Yeah, your hotel's not ready for another <laughs> six hours. And you're like... Jeez, there's only so much breakfast I can eat. Right, yeah. So, you know, yeah, you, you had your third breakfast of the day. Yeah, the, yeah exactly. One did, one, you, before you left the house, one at the airport, and then another one. Did, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you're, you're, you can't check in. You can't do anything. And then somebody, and I can't remember who it was, says, you know, and this is back in the day where there were, like, so many flights on so many airlines that you never heard of. But um, they go, you know, uh, you can catch a flight to Vegas for, like, 75 bucks. And it's it's a thirty five minute forty five minute flight, right? And we're like Vegas. Wait a minute, what time's the game tomorrow? <laughs> and of course, we're this in a three a hour bad, time difference. This is a bad. It sounds idea. like a horrible idea, doesn't it? Well, it sounds like a great idea, but it then it but it was then just it ends up being a bad idea. Yeah, well, that was the thing. Like my my first instinct was, what if we don't make it back? Because <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you can drive. I don't know. That's a now, long you're, now it's turning into a hangover. Like yeah, no, exactly. Changing, well, changing clothes was, on the middle of the highway, yeah. Right. It was, it was well before the hangover. Where's Doug? Doug! <laughs> um, so we just, for whatever reason, let's go for it. So I think it was probably Romano that pushed me into it. But anyway, so we got on the, we get on, a, we bought a ticket for under 100 bucks. Of course, we checked in. We couldn't check in our hotel. We didn't get our keys, but we, we were able to check in, store our bags, whatever, just, you know, grab clothes that we had on or whatever and then we and then we, we flew to vegas and of course i've never been there so we didn't know where to go and you know we checked out caesars and ended up finally um i'll say this first of all it was in, it was kind of like early maybe september it, i just remember it was very hot in the desert i was gonna say it was 250 degrees yeah it was sure. really hot and then it got cooler at night obviously but the wind was blowing like hell and there was sand everywhere it was not was uncomfortable um that place is overwhelming too. You know, there's just so much to do. There's there's so many yeah. casinos and so many places. We ended up at a, kind of a kind of a not so Caesar's Palace type place where you where they had because most of those places you go into, as you know, at that time, I think like the smallest blackjack table was twenty five dollars. Like you yeah, couldn't right. sit down in front of twenty. We found a place you could play five bucks a hand. Okay. And so when we did that, we played all night long. Because at one point, it was just like the three or four of us. So we were just like handing money back and forth and trying to beat the house and whatever. But yeah, we flew back and got got back into, uh, played all night. I think we caught a flight like at three or four in the morning, got back to the hotel, slept for a few hours, went to the game and covered it and it was good. There you go. So I went twice. I went, I covered both times for work, covered a Winky Wright fight. Remember Winky Wright? Winky, yeah. Big St. time. Pete. Yeah. Covered a fight uh, out there. And uh, think about that. We used to cover fights out there. Yeah, it was great. So uh, covered that. And then my last road trip for the Tampa Bay Times as a sports writer was to Vegas. It was a lightning trip. Um, Really? It was before Diana Nero said she had just arrived Mm -hmm. in uh, in in Tampa Bay. And so she was literally just getting settled in, moving into her new place. And they needed somebody to to do the do a road trip. West Coast West so, Coast tour. So it was yeah, it was uh, Denver and Las Vegas and Arizona. Nice and yeah, and so I flew out there. So the 
my last, like I said, again, my last trip with the, with the times, it was Nevada day. They have a day of something called Nevada day. And mm. the, the lightning played Vegas golden Knights in, in an afternoon game. So cover Joe Smith working for the athletic. Yep. He and I covered the game. And then afterwards we, it was, like I said, it was a day game. It was over whatever, five o'clock, which is eight o'clock Eastern, which meant that night there was a World Series game, and it was the Red Sox versus the Dodgers. So we find this really cool outdoor restaurant, order cheeseburgers, nice. have a couple of beers, and that's the game. It's okay, we'll watch the rest of this game. We get there, it's like the eighth inning, so maybe it was a little bit later than 5 o'clock. It's like the eighth inning. So we'll watch the rest of this game, go drop our stuff at the hotel, mm-hmm. and then hit, hit Vegas because we yeah. we're not leaving until the next day. Well, that's the 18-inning game. Remember, oh, like, remember the Dodgers and the Red Sox playing an 18 inning yeah, game? Yeah, I do remember that. So we had a few two. The last thing I remember that night was after the, all that going <laughs> the tiger? to some casino. Was it the Tiger in the in the bathroom? Uh, or was it, it close to yeah, Mike Tyson in the room. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, it ended up with the last I the last words I hear was coming in the end of night. <laughs> the last thing I remember is asking a guy, I'm like, "Do you have at this bar?" And I said, "Do you have IPA?" And he goes, "We got a double IPA." It's the last. Those are the last words I remember. <laughs> a and double it, IPA. Yeah. A double, and then the next day you wake up the next day and I was missing a tooth, and uh, there was a there was baby, a baby crying. Yeah. yeah, there's a baby crying. Yeah, that's a lot. That was my. Somebody last, slammed the door, but you don't know who it was. And you were married, which is so odd. <laughs> you had to get that the whole wedding in all. She was a nice lady. Um, <laughs> she was. Right. But let me. So okay, let me get. The, I'm going to turn this serious all of a sudden, Rick. Okay. okay. Like we're going to go yep. way serious here because we're yeah, talking no, about good. Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I don't know how Rick, all of a sudden I've had the feeling the last couple of days, like what are we doing? Mm. Like why are we even talking about sports? Like not talking about like why are we even talking about trying to resume sports? For two reasons. One, the coronavirus. I'm still like I don't know how we're gonna get around this thing. It's like you can't avoid it. It's as much as we can, you know, practice social distancing and as much as we can sort of say we're not gonna have fans at the games. Well, like, people aren't doing that, first of all. Well, but, yeah. people aren't doing that. But the other thing is, is like, well, everybody has a good idea on how to start these leagues, how we're mm-hmm. going to start them. Yeah. Tell me how we're going to finish them. That's my thing. Like, so, and then on top of that, Rick, you throw in this whole, you know, the protests and George Floyd and, and everything, this sort of moment in time that yeah. we have as a nation right now. And it just sports seems so insignificant to me that it's like, why are we even talking about playing games? Like, aren't there better things that we need to be doing with our time right now? Now, the argument, the obviously, the counter argument is we need sports. It can be galvanizing. Um, the yeah. players like NBA, and I'm not here to tell, and I'm not here to tell NBA players, you need to do this or you need to not do this. Like, that's their decision to make, and it's baseball's decision making. Football, like they need to make those decisions. I and I'm not trying to insert myself into that. I'm and the, again, the argument is, if we're talking about protest, NBA players and NFL players can use their platforms to to bring more attention to the to Black Lives Matter and other yeah. uh, causes that they want to to make people aware of at this point. I get all that, but there's there's a real big part of me, Rick, that with everything that's going on, it's like. And I realize the money involved. Don't get me wrong. I realize the money. I realize people depend on this money. It's more than just, you know, how much money LeBron's going to make or how much money Tom Brady's going to make. That it filters down to people who, who make a living selling concessions at games and mm-hmm. and in parking Although there lots. There may, may or may not be fans, but yeah, right, right, or people who work whatever hotels, people, hotels, right. 
I get all that, but Rick, there's just there's a part of me that's like I almost feel guilty that we're that we're talking about reopening sports. I mean, do you see where I'm? You get? Have you had that sense at all? Like, what are you doing? Well, I, I I selfishly have been hoping that we we do reopen them because I do think that there is, a, a, first of all, a needed distraction um, from the twenty four seven news cycle of bad news. Um, and and it's important news, but but I think from a mental standpoint, you can only you can only take so much. I think you need you need something to get your mind off of it for a while. I think mentally, and and some people do this by reading books. By the way, I get for that. Us, Look, I, I I've spent know, I've watched more YouTube concerts from like you know yeah Peter Gabriel from nineteen eighty seven than I can count. Yeah, no, yeah, I get exactly. It. But I, I do think you need a break. So there's that, um, and it, it can be galvanizing too be in, in a country right now that is so divided. Um, in many ways, uh, you mentioned the protests and the platform. There's two things you mentioned there. You mentioned you mentioned the protests and then and then the health. With the protests, I would say that you know there's some NBA players talking about similar to what you're saying. He's like, I I just don't feel it's right for us to play, whatever. And I would just say that you know, first of all, if you go back in history, there's been plenty of athletes that have taken stands um but they did it they did it while competing you know what i mean right whether it's tommy smith raising his fist at the Olympics. i mean like muhammad ali like they they use that performance that audience that the the attention that they that they generated through sports as their platform right rather than just say i ain't working today you know right. especially when there's so many people out of work you know the notion that you just have so much money um that you know I don't need to play, and frankly, I don't feel like it, so I'm not going to, and I don't think it's right. Everybody's entitled to their opinion if you don't want to play, don't play but but I think most of most of the the people of yesteryear anyway would tell whether it's lebron james i' I don't know what LeBron James is thinking right now, um but Kyrie Irving, some others have said it Dwight Howard, they don't feel like playing whatever I think they would say you're making a big mistake. You well, know? I don't. I don't know. Like, well, I'll say this: that if, if but you that's just play, on the protest part of it, well, not the, the health. Yeah, I'll but I mean, my health. thing is, if like a lot of them are saying, like Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard, and I think Stephen Jackson were saying, yeah. that we don't want the distraction. Like, that we don't want people to be distracted right now. We don't want to think about basketball. We, we want, want the attention focus to be on, on one this, thing. Yeah, and that's the only thing. It's interesting. I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast the other day, and he was talking about um, when Martin Luther King was assassinated. Yeah, and it happened in early April, and it was during the NBA playoffs. And forty some, you know, years after that happened, and now we're you know we're more than fifty years now, right? Um, he, Bill Simmons, asked Bill Russell about playing the next, like they played like the next day in yeah. the NBA like, conference finals, and there was a big discussion at the time whether they should play or not, and uh, and they all voted, and they ended up they ended up playing the game. And he asked Russell all these years later, how did you feel about it? He goes, I don't know. I still don't know. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know how I felt about it. Like, there's a part of me that was like, yeah, we did the right thing. There's another part of me that's like, what were we doing? Yeah. So, now I get what you're saying, Rick. No, I'm well, not, I mean, and I don't think anybody's stopped, right or wrong. Like, Sports I, stopped for several things through this country. We, it's, it, it, uh, baseball didn't stop for World War II, by the way. Right. Um, it did stop for 911. Sports stopped for a week. Like five days, six days. Uh, yeah, yeah, five, week, six whatever. days. Um, because the NFL didn't play that weekend. Didn't stop when JFK was assassinated. The, the NFL at least says that's the biggest mistake they ever made. Right. That he was assassinated like on a Friday, right? And right. And they, they played that Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. 
Um, and so that was that was probably, but there just hasn't been much time throughout our history where that has happened for at least for various things. Certainly nothing on the on the scale of a pandemic of a of a worldwide pandemic. But I mean, in in terms of of tragedies, uh, uh, certainly protests, civil rights, things like that. So there's the protest side of it. Now the health side of it, I'm starting to turn. Tom, I'm I'm starting to turn. I I wasn't going to get into this, but today but you since you brought it up i will uh i read i read a story i want to say it might have been um the wall street journal or something like that and they raised these points about the nfl and we're seeing look politics aside and you deal with these all the time the media coverage of this this whole this whole thing um reopenings in various states and and who came back too fast and who's doing it right and why people won't wear a mask and how did that ever become a political thing right um but it is and it's certainly a way you can prevent spread but then you had protests where people were crowded together you know um which which added another element and potential for spread and then now you're having campaign rallies in in oklahoma and things like that but i got to thinking about the nfl in particular and the story illuminated this for me a little bit and that is that so wait a minute um here's what we know about this virus which by the way had, does not know does not own a calendar right virus does does not own a does not does not know where states are or care anything about borders right In, within the united states or around the world doesn't know it that's a virus it's a freaking living breathing virus that, that infects people and it will spread irregardless of, of whether you wear a mask don't wear a mask. i mean it just it's a virus um and it hasn't got a cure. We don't have a cure for this thing. We don't have a, a vaccine developed yet. It's no different than when we all stayed at home for nine weeks, right? It's just out there. And and I'm not going to debate, you know, the political aspects of shutting down in the economy and the, and, 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 and the amount of, of damage that has done to people and, and you know, what that le- has led to, even from a health health standpoint. But I do know this, that... What we know about this virus with respect to the NFL is that it attacks a an inordinate uh, amount of minorities, particularly African American, um, and 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 Hispanic and and, and people of, of non-white races, um, probably disproportionately to what they are in the United States. Number two, it it also um, gets people with large body masses. Okay. Have you looked at the NFL? They all have 300-pound offensive linemen, and lots of them, on both sides of the football, okay? These men, for the most part, what I've learned throughout my two-plus decades of of covering the NFL is most of these men aren't naturally 300-pound men. Most of them have had to eat their way to 300 pounds. I can't tell you how many players that I have covered that when when they stopped playing football, these were linemen, defensive or offensive lineman that that went from 300 to about 225 i mean it's it's unbelievable yeah it looked like different people yeah and it looked like different people because they were never intended god did not intend for them to be that heavy and so what that leads to the obesity and 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 in in many cases you have sleep apnea you have people that you know just just have large body masses and that for this virus at least what i have learned about it and read about it is that they they are particularly vulnerable okay so 
ask yourself this. You remember years ago, who was the offensive lineman? I think you were in Minnesota at the time, or, or at least you probably heard about him, that passed away. Yeah, in Corey, String, Corey Stringer. Corey Stringer. Remember yeah. the year that Corey Stringer was like, it was in the summertime and there was. I was in be- Minnesota then. I'm telling you what, I was there. I remember that day. Yeah. Rick, that, I've lived in hell. Florida for most of, most of my life now. Right. That's the hot. That's one of the hottest days I remember in my entire life was right. that day. And it was a brutal summer throughout the Midwest anyway and throughout the United States. And it, the temperatures were literally in the hundreds. And those guys with the equipment, with the heat off the ground, all of that, anyway, he died of a heat stroke, for lack of a better term. And it was a big thing, you know. And um, everybody took notice of it and started really paying even more attention to cooling these guys down and dehydration and stuff like that. Um, but imagine there are 1,600 players, roughly, uh, 1,700 players, practice squads and whatnot, in the National Football League. Many of them large men, okay? Many of them probably vulnerable, 70% of which are African-American. Tom, what happens when one of them dies? There we go. I mean, I mean, what, what, tell me what happened, because getting infected is one thing, and we know that, you know, that young people in general, people of, you know, under the age of 25 or maybe, you know, the, the older you get, the more vulnerable you might be, but it's not, it's not, it's not exclusive. It's not like nobody under the age of 25 gets sick and dies. I mean, but we do know that large people, people with big body masses, African-Americans in particular are vulnerable. We've got a bunch of 300 pound men out there that are going to be, you can't keep these. This is not, this is not the national hockey league. And, and look, they have plenty of collisions, and there's going to be plenty of sweat and spit flying on them too. It's not Major League Baseball where positionally you're about 10 feet apart from everybody anyway, and aside from you know fist bumping in the dugout or sliding to break up a double play, you're not going to come in that much contact with anybody unless you spit on the catcher um, at home plate. But football? Really? I mean, well, it was here's, preposterous. Here's the other aspect to this, Rick, is – I covered the National Hockey League for a long time, a couple of decades, and yeah. uh, there were a lot of years where I was uh, I was I was able to travel on the team plane, on to be on the Lightning charters, and stayed at the hotels with them and ate in the same restaurants. Absolutely, and basically was like a player, except I didn't play, but I was in the locker rooms. I was I was except everywhere the they schedule. were, except for yeah. actually on the ice. Right, and I can tell you, Rick, that of all the years, every single year a flu would run rampant right through, through the team. One guy would get it. It's, and it would happen every year. Oh, so-and-so, Darcy Tucker has the flu. And you would count the days. And then you would wait until you got it. And That's it right. happened. It happened to me two, twice yep. covering the team. And, it, and I'd be one of about 12 guys who, you know, on, either on the team or near the team that would get the flu within like a, a week span. And that happens in every team sport every year. Because you're on top of one another. You're, mm-hmm. this, I, I was now. Look, I wasn't hitting anybody. I wasn't. No. You know, I wasn't on the ice. I wasn't sweating on anybody. I, but I was right. in locker. Like I said, I was in locker rooms. I was on planes. I was in restaurants. Yep. I was just around. But yeah. you know, I I tell you, Rick. I and again, we can go back to the, you know, the protest. That's everybody's individual feeling on that. If you sure, if you think you should not play because of that, yeah, I get it. A- if you want to play. Because of yeah, that, that's yeah. that's that's an individual call. But all this combined, I'm starting to just feel like, ah, uh, do we need to? Do we need to? I paid? just don't know what. I mean, I think there's a good, and, and I pray that this is not the case. And I know they will have, they will be tested, and I know 
uh, hopefully, God willing, you know, anybody who is sick will, will maybe there'll be better treatments by then. Um, they'll be removed for 14 days. They'll contact trace all of that. Okay. And, and I'm sure they'll use the best protocols available. That said, my mind tells me that statistically there's a good chance somebody's going to get really sick, particularly with the demographics in football that I just mentioned. Well, this Tom, if, if we're having funerals, if there's one funeral in the NFL, you're right because of COVID, how many guys are going to want to play? Let's take it a step further, Rick, and this is going to get into something that's right in your wheelhouse, is that if you're a professional football player, let's just yeah. let's just take football. You're a professional football player, and they want you to come back and play. You can mm-hmm. make that decision. You're a grown man. You're an adult. Absolutely. You feed You've your had, family. That's all. Yeah, you feed yeah. your family, whatever. That's, but just like you, you and me. If they tell me, hey, Rick, um, the Bucks are playing in New Orleans, right? Right. Do you want to go cover it? I've got to make a decision. Right. You know, they're not going to force me to do it if I feel like my health is going to be at risk and I'm I'm an at-risk person or I I don't feel comfortable, you know, coming home to my girls or whatever. Right. No one's going to no one's going to force me to do it. But I'm probably going to weigh that against my profession and you know, it's kind of my job, I think I'll do it. But that's an right. individual decision. But that's an individual then you you have a choice. You can make I that do. choice. I do. Uh, you know who doesn't have choices here? College football players. Oh, you got it. And the the other day the the audacity of Ohio State to send out a a uh, piece of paper to be signed, a waiver yeah. to say, and basically here's what they're saying, Rick. We want you guys to come back because we need to make money. By the way, that money that we make, we're not sharing it with you in any way, like, except for your scholarship, which let's, let's face that's a joke. But I need to make money, so you need to sign this waiver, though, so you can come back, and that way if you get sick, you're not going to blame me for it. Are you kidding me, Rick, mm. with this? That, and what if the player decides I'm not signing it? Does that mean he's off the team? Does that mean his scholarship goes away? If you're a college football player, Rick, we could sit there and say, well, they have a choice. They don't have a choice. Yeah. They, have to, they have to sign it. They have to come back and play. And, and, and for, for, that, for, for people to treat college football, and I've totally switched on this, Rick. There were years ago, you and I used to have this argument on the radio, and yeah. you were right from the start. We got to pay players. And I'm like, oh, they get paid with scholarships. That was the mm-hmm. most naive, ignorant thing I ever said on radio. And I said a lot of naive, ignorant things. That was by far like the most ridiculous thing I said. And now to ask these players that you got to sign a waiver and you got to come back and we're going to make kids from Alabama and Clemson and Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan and come back and play for what? So, to, so colleges can make money? Well, and I think – and. This has been a case for years and years, but I think it's this further highlights this, and and that is this the, the absolute lie, right? That there's amateur sports existing in the college football or college basketball or college period. It's professional sports. It's always been professional sports, and everybody gets paid except the people who are performing on the field, and, and who are taking. And in this case, taking all the risk. Taking the risk. And back. the proof of that, the further proof of it is if we didn't know it already, is that they want to be indemnified. They don't want to be sued. Well, why? Because they have money to lose. Because they're a business. Not because, remember, it's student athletes, not athlete students. Right. Right? Well, Come they don't on. want to be sued, Rick. And they also, they're admitting right up front, this may not be the safest thing in the world that we're doing. No. And, <laughs> and to your point, like, yeah, you have a choice. And your choice is Ohio State or Toledo. 
Right. You know, like, I mean, somebody's going to take that scholarship, by the way. Somebody's going to play. Somebody's going to take your jersey, take your spot. They'll be all too happy to do it, and you'll be replaced. And that's what college football and, and basketball and everybody knows. There's an unlimited resource, okay, of athletes or student athletes. And they'll never run out of them, you know. So they've got all the leverage in the world. And, oh, by the way, the scholarships are year to year. They're not guaranteed four years anything. Coaches can move around at will after they recruit you, and you could be just, you know, left there with a new coach that doesn't like you and he takes your scholarship when he comes in. I mean, there's so much hypocrisy to this sport. And, yeah, it's dangerous. I mean, what are they asking? Again, we'll go back to football. There's a lot of 300-pound guys in college football. There's a lot of 300-pound guys in high school football, right? Yeah. So how much risk are we asking amateurs? And you're exactly right. If it's my livelihood, like me covering the Bucks or or you doing the Lightning when you did or whatever, that's that's a decision I can make based on my family, uh, my career, all of that. But if I'm a college student and I'm trying to get an education or, you know, my opportunity is is at this school, for me not to go and not to – I mean, that's an immense amount of pressure at an age where you probably aren't going to make the best decision anyway. Well, but it's so hypocritical. It, it's so hypocritical. You hit so it right on the head, Rick, that they're not going to make the best decision. They're going to make the decision. If, if you're a kid right now and you're on Ohio State, and say you're a pretty, you know, pretty decent, decent player. player, and you refuse to sign it, I, mm-hmm. I don't care what it says. I don't care what the way we paint it, Rick. You tell me that there are, there won't be an NFL team out there going. Eh, I don't know about this guy. He doesn't want to play. He doesn't want to play. I yeah. don't know about his commitment. And here's the thing: I don't want it left up to 19 year olds to decide whether or not we should be playing football. No, or their Where's, family, the, or their families or their who families. are hoping that this guy gets to the NFL and and improves their entire condition. You know what I'm Where saying? Where are the like, adults in the room who say this is a bad idea to have these kids? We're not even sure we're going to allow students back on campus. Well, and ask yourself this, and I have not figured this out because here's what I think about right now about because we're talking about football, right? That's the yes. next sport, the next big revenue sport. And I'm not minimizing the fact that the revenues from college football, by the way, also completely support like five or six other sports, including college baseball, which well, I, I, I mean, at Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan and places like that. I mean, it's that's yeah. the, almost the entire athletic budget. So, so there's already been there's already been colleges and smaller ones than Ohio State that have cut programs, anticipating that they're not going to have many revenues. But this notion that there's no central, like there's no commissioner of the, you know, there's the NCAA. But guess what? This is a conference-to-conference situation, right? The SEC can decide one thing today. The Big Ten can decide something else tomorrow. The ACC can decide something else the next day. And guess what? No one has any rules. They're making it up as they go along. And I haven't heard a protocol. I haven't heard of a central anything. You know, seems to me like a bunch of guys came back to Alabama. They all tested positive, and we sent them home. What about the rest of the guys they were exposed to? You know, I, I mean, there is no, there is no central anything when it comes to how this is the wild west in a sense. You know, uh, Alabama may have fans, right? Uh, you know what? Uh, central Michigan may not, right? You know, like w- where are we going with this? Well, and at the end of the day, it's all it's what it comes down to, Rick. Is well, we just want we want it. We want our college football. Like that's we the want answer. It. We yeah. want it. And I know people make these, well, it supports the rest of the programs. And look, like the reason they will come back is because everybody wants it to come back. And they I want, want it to come back. I, and I you want too. it to come back. Nobody and enjoys- this idea, and I'm gonna get, I am going to get a little political here in a minute, where 
this idea that, well, the media is pushing this agenda of, of let's be safe and let's be but conservative shelter, and, yeah. and it's anti-Trump and we don't want Trump to get reelected and we want this coronavirus to last. There are a few industries that have been harder hit and no would point. welcome a return to normalcy than yeah. media companies. And if you don't believe it, I'll send you a link on You write about it every day, yeah. Of every newspaper that's gone through either Including pay cuts ours. or furloughs. Including mine. Yeah. yeah. We have people that we know. One of our one of my best friends in the entire world is out of a job right now because of this. Yep. That's right. And uh, and he's hardly alone. There's a bunch of them. Right. And so this I don't know, I like I said, I didn't mean to head down this serious path that we're having. No, fun I think it's worth saying that though. Minute, it's, it's, we're not, it's just it's, I, I feel like man, I almost feel guilty at times like you know, and then we sit there, we're talking about baseball, and baseball's going through all their problems, and they're fighting over mm-hmm. money. And I'm like, I'm still back to the idea of, like, is, are we sure this is a good idea out of safety reasons? Like, shouldn't we be playing baseball? You know? Well, and that, and see, that to me is, is what I don't get about baseball right now. Because what I haven't heard, maybe they can work this out, maybe they can't. But what I haven't heard is, do they know it's safe, and how are they doing that first? There's, they still have to negotiate. And, and agree to what the safety protocols are going to be. And like I said, I think baseball has less problems when it comes to distancing just the game itself. The way it's structured, you're not necessarily in, in complete physical contact right. nonstop. That aside, you know, whether we can spit in the dugout or high five and all I mean, okay, fine. We figure out how far the lockers have to be apart, all that stuff. You can work through that, how we're going to travel, where we're going to stay. Those are all big problems, by the way. They're not small things. They're big things. But if you can't address the safety side of it, and then we can get to the economics. But the economic I'll say this, Tom. Of all the sports, baseball is headed for the rocks. They don't it, – it doesn't seem to matter what the scenario is. Depression, um, you know, pandemic, you name it. These guys will fight over every last dime. Mm-hmm. That's what this comes down to. No, absolutely. And they, what they don't realize is that they're not as big of a deal as they think they are. No. That Where would you rank them right now in the I mean, first of all, I would say the NFL is king. And the I'm NFL is say, king and I think the I think the NBA has surpassed them. And I think now the NBA is number 2. And the, the only like the reason why they have one thing about the NFL that they have in common or have in their favor is the fact that they only play 16 games during the regular season. So every week you have to pretty much watch. Right. NBA, you can miss a month. You yeah. can miss a month and pick it up and still be okay, right? Baseball, you can miss two months and pick it up and be okay. I mean, baseball plays so many games, and and it's, you know, the sport is slow, graphic. I mean, they have enough of their own problems, part and parcel of what's going on here. And to lose more ground because of the optics and the reality that you could have been maybe one of the first sports back, maybe, and been the one, the only game in, in, on TV, and now, now you're trying, trying to salvage 50 games? Here's the funny thing about it all, Rick, too, is, is that they're each, you know, and I was listening to you and Mark Topkin talking about it the other night, and they're, they're waging this PR battle against one another. And yeah. the owners are trying to make the players look bad, and the players are trying to make the owners look bad. You know what? Nobody cares who's at fault. Like, nobody nope. remembers. The 94 strike. Remember the 94 strike? Yeah, who won Devastating that one? for me. What was that about? Couldn't even the, tell you. The 81 strike, which like wiped out. I just read a story. Sports Illustrated had a great story about how the 81 season, I remembered it, two months in the middle of the year when nothing was going on. You know, there were no other sports at the time. Right, right. Shut down for two months. I, don't, I have no idea what that was about. No, mm-hmm. Don't know who was wrong, who was right, who won. Yep. 
no what happened remembers. to the end of it. And that's the same thing here. Nobody knows, nobody knows what they're arguing about. I no. mean, if you're well, a diehard money. baseball it's, fan. It's yeah. money. That's what they're arguing. But at is, the end of the day, it's like no one's going like, well, the owners, like some of us are, but most people are like, they don't care. No, All they, they know is it's not there. That's right. So, And further out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. You know? Before we go, though, I did want to bring up the, you talked about baseball. We're talking about baseball. I listened right. to your baseball podcast. Man, you were right on the money with all those. Like, I heard you with Chris Torello talking you mean about the movies. Yes. You know what? You and I are so dead on on all this. Bull Durham, best, I think, has the best baseball movie. I think ever. it's the best. And I was surprised that people don't agree with me. Really? Yeah. It, it wasn't universal. I thought, I really did believe that, there, that most people would say Bull Durham. I really did believe that. Yeah. I got Major League, which I, I could. You know what? Me, okay, I'm with, and me, that's, this is where you and I line up exactly. I'm okay with it. I'm not. I don't love it. I, I'm. Okay, I don't hate it. I, I mean, some of the characters okay. are good. The baseball in it is bad. You know what it um, is? I'll tell you what it is. You want to know what Major League is? Major League is an adult version of Bad News Bears. That's it's, a great, great it's comparison. A, yeah. And you know, and by the way, I've actually talked to other people about this. The Bad News Bears. That movie's been remade like seventeen hundred times, and I, not <laughs> yeah, just like. I only think of the one with Walter Matthau and Taylor. No, but I mean, you know what? The, I'll give you other examples of Bad News Bears, and people are going to uh, people are going to go crazy about it. Every mm-hmm. Mighty Ducks movie is a ripoff. Oh, of that. that's true. It's Absolutely. the misfit kids who yep. are underdog, kicking and screaming. Yep. In a way, Rick, and people are going to say this is heresy here, is Hoosiers. In a way, I know it's. I know Hoosiers is based on a true story about it. It really happened. But again, it's a bunch of misfits, underdogs, Rocky. They, yeah. They. You, Slap shot. They all like the Bad News Bears was the original underdog movie. Well, and David after, and Goliath was actually the original, but I'll, there I'll go you back true. as there far you as go. The, that's, yeah, the back. biblical times. To be but, honest with you, great, but, uh, every but, great story is in the Bible, Tommy. That's true. We're, everything's ripped off from the Bible, but yeah. but Bad News Bears, like it was like Major League is the original Bad News Bears. Like the Major League, I'm with you on that. It was, and that's where I really like really caught on on that podcast. Where I was glad to hear you were just like, eh. Okay, and I'm and I'm gonna come off as a little bit snobby right now. You know who you know who you know who truly thinks Bull Durham is the best baseball movie? People who really follow baseball, people in baseball, and people who played it. I'll tell you the segment, and I I mentioned this with Torello, and you know this because you played the, the one that got me when I watched it live, and it was a hundred years ago, right in the '80s, sometime. Um, and when I watched it, when you know. When he get when Crash Davis gets up to the plate, played by Kevin Cosner, and he's talking in his head, yeah, and he's saying, "Bring it, bring it, bring it! You got to bring the fastball. You got to bring the fastball. Come on, meat. Come on, bring it, bring it, bring it." And you have these internal battles that are loud in your head, like you can't even get that voice down to an octave. Like it is, you're screaming at yourself when you're yeah. at that plate, and you step out and you say things, and you're like, "Wait back, wait back, wait back, wait!" Oh, you know, like. And and when they did that, that they had me like they had me at hello, you know, because that is exactly the way it is. And you know this. That's exactly the way it is when you're oh, up yeah. there. Well, my favorite my favorite line in that entire movie is one that doesn't get quoted very often because, you know, you go through to like, oh, man, he hit the bull. And, you know, right. And I anyway, said, let's let's get her a set of steak knives and all this. Sir. Yeah. But my favorite scene is it was actually uh, from what I've heard and what I read about was actually improvised at the time, was, remember in The Natural, which came out a few years, which I love The Natural too, by the way. Natural's a great I do too. I do love The Natural. But he breaks, you know, he breaks the bat. 
you know, he break Wonder right. Boy. He cracks. Wonder Boy breaks. Yeah. And he goes to the kid. He goes, "Pick me out a winner, Bobby." Give me a winner, and, Bobby. And he and the kid comes up. And Bobby had made his own bat. Right, and so he gives him. And they had this nice little cute little moment, the Bat Boy and Roy Hobbs. Yeah. You know. Well, in by Bull the way, Jordan, why is the Bat Boy always overweight? I know. I know. I was a Bat Boy until I was probably <laughs> like twelve. Seriously, it was sad, but it was, but it was true. I played baseball, but I was also like my dad yeah, coached American Legion. Yeah, because your dad Legion. coached older teams, yeah. But Bat Boys weren't fat back in the day, anyway. And I well, digress. so in Bull Durham, now apparently, you know, at one point, you know, Crash is like, you know, he's he's having that conversation in his head, like you're talking about. Yeah. And he uh, and the guy he, he has to step up because he's thinking of Annie. All of a sudden, Annie Savoy pops into his head. Yeah, exactly. He goes, oh, and he calls the kid over. He goes, "Hey, you know, bring me uh, bring me the pine tar." Mm-hmm. And the kid comes out, and apparently they told the kid, "Tell <laughs> Crash when you get out there, tell him to get a hit." So he comes <laughs> out there, and he goes, "Get a hit, Crash." <laughs> And Kevin Costner, he, the kid didn't know he was going to do this. Kevin Costner looks at him and goes, shut up. <laughs> and if you watch the kid's face, the kid's falls. like devastated. The, the Kevin and Costner. That was, ad, was, that was ad-libbed? It was ad- par- I, that's what I've heard. I don't know whether that's true or not. But I can tell you as a former bat boy, that happens all the time. Well, like and what was good, that's what would happen in a real baseball game. That moment of Roy Hobbs, like, pick me out a winner, Bobby. Like, yeah. that cute little, little schmaltzy, you yeah. know. That no, what's happen. really going to happen in a real baseball game, which is like, what makes Bull Durham like, shut up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's why I think you know, Bull Durham is, yeah, is, uh, is the best baseball movie. But I'm with you. I, I, I'm a big uh, League of Their Own fan. Thought that was tremendous. League of Their Own has surprisingly, um, maybe surprisingly, but but people people have have rated that a fairly high movie. I've seen it rated as, as high as number one, but certainly in the top five. That's my, it's because in my of its, top because five. of its uniqueness. I mean, remember now when it came out, like that was a story that many people didn't even know, right? Right? They weren't even aware there was baseball. a women's baseball yeah. league in, during the war. Exactly. So that, and you mentioned some others. You mentioned Moneyball. Moneyball was was like uh, Moneyball. that's grown on me. I didn't. I wasn't crazy about it when I first saw it. But you're right, Pitt. Brad Pitt's so good in that, and so is uh, yeah. Jonah Hill. Um, and then. Um, but I'm yeah, and I'm with you too, like on uh, on Major League. Uh, Field of Dreams is good. Field, did you read the book, Shoeless Joe? I did not read the book. No, is so, it better than the movie? Well, it's somebody. Different. Oh, going back to the natural real quick. Yeah, somebody yeah. told me that in the book that that Redford or the, the uh, Roy, Roy Hobbs, Hobbs strikes out. Yeah, takes to dive. And is yeah. that true? It's true. That's true. Hate to hate to break it. That's too, a horrible ending. I'm glad they changed hor- it. Yeah. No. He he ends up. You know. Because think we be say we it ain't so. Right? Say it ain't so. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. He's Casey at the bat at that point. Yeah. He's, but he's, we've been robbed of that. What I still think is an iconic movie moment when the the lights are exploding uh, and yeah. like fireworks and you hear that. No. Yeah. No. It's it's that's tremendous and it's and I'm glad they changed it. But in uh, in Shoeless Joe, the book that Field of Dreams was based on, mm-hmm. he actually. Uh, Ray Kinsella actually has a good relationship with his dad. He has oh, a he twin did. in the movie. He has, or in the book, he has a twin brother who doesn't get along with his dad. Oh, and okay. there's an, a complete other character, the oldest living Chicago Cub. You know, he's that's another character. And the bo- author is not Terrence Mann, but it's actually J.D. Salinger, who, mm-hmm. in real, in who was apparently didn't like it. The fact that he got used that way in the book, but um, but that's the but the the Field of Dreams, the movie is great too. But I was with you. I was with you through everything that you said. I was very happy to see that we lined up on all of those movies. Yeah, yeah. I just um, and you know, there, I mean, there are parts of, of uh, not every movie is perfect, obviously, 
What was great, though, is that they had in Bull Durham the historical part of, you know, the, the Durham Bulls, which, you know, and, that, and they used the old ballpark. They've since rebuilt a, a, a ballpark there, I guess. Um, but Not so a much bad of that, scene. Not a bad. I, just, I, I defy you to find one bad scene in that movie. There's not many. There's not many. And the, the, it's kind of cliche, but the baseball annies, you know, in my own oh, yeah. towns. And no, and that's what, I mean, there was there was a lot of cliche bit, but, in there yeah. and, the, and the money, like the promotions with the money drop. And we, we talked about yeah. Max Pack in the last time. and <laughs> But, I mean, even the love story part of it was like. I went like, to bed sad that night when you were telling oh, me the story yeah, about Max Pack. About and, that. But it was <laughs> like, like even the love story part of uh, of Bull Durham was good. Like, I thought it kind of got like the, that, like the major league at the love story, you know, with him and Rene Russo. Yeah. That felt kind of like jammed in there, like oh, we gotta yeah, have a love interest. It just felt it felt way too forced. But yeah. um, but I was I was with you on the entire. And you know what? I've I've heard this too. When it comes to sports movies, the smaller the ball, the better the, better the, movie. the movie. Yeah. So I was thinking about this. Like, well, one day we'll do this. But we'll talk about um, different sports movies and 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 maybe not restricted to baseball. We're doing baseball because baseball, frankly, yeah. you know, is having its trouble. But. Um, there's not a lot of great. You're right. There's not a lot of great football movies, in my opinion. I'm with you on that. There, there are there are good. There are movies that have good scenes in it. Like Longest Yard has good scenes. Uh, yes. Semi tough. Um, has. But any given Sunday, any probably. Given Sunday, you know, good. The scenes. best football playing that I ever saw in a movie, or one of the best, is Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights, that, and that's one of the. Yeah, that's one of the better. That's iconic. Right, but you think about basketball. I mean, after Hoosiers, like, what's the second best basketball movie after yeah. Hoosiers? Yeah, like Fish to Save Pittsburgh. I mean, come on, like, <laughs> it's you know, or what's the, one of those movies with Robbie Benson or whatever? Space Jam. No, I, Space Jam. Space, there you go. Space I was Jam. Gonna say, he caught. Yeah. He beat me to it. I was going to say it's definitely Space, Space Jam. Jam. I'll give you that one. But uh, but again, like now we get small. But when you get smaller with the ball down to golf, like there's been some gone good. Good golf movies, and then with no sports, with no tin balls, cup, tin cup. Yep, sports mm-hmm. with no balls. In other words, tra- uh, boxing. There have been some mm-hmm. great boxing. Movies. Well, the Rocky, the Rocky series. Well, the a... Rocky series, Raging Bull on the Raging waterfront. Bull. You could Oof. kind of consider it oh, to be yeah. a boxing movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that. So I, that's where I would say, um, like th- those, those are really good. So I, I, I sort of believe in that theory. The the smaller the ball, the better. Yeah, the better the movie. Baseball has definitely dominated the sports movie genre, though. You know, there's a lot of good ones. Way you guys back, mentioned you know? too. You even mentioned I was proud of Torello. He mentioned like the kids' movies, like well, you talked about Sandlot, but Sandlot, Little Big yeah. League and Rookie of the Year, like those were good. Mm-hmm. Those were good movies. Yeah. They weren't bad. They weren't yeah. bad. You can always find something in the game, um, you know that that you enjoy. So what do you- hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Got going on at uh, at pointer.org where we can find your newsletter every day. Oh, yeah, p o y n t e r dot o r g. Um do you want just, me to drop some? I'll pick up the names for you if you want me if you want to drop them. No, Last I'm time we to... talked, it was Lester Holt 
and uh, what? Uh, Lester uh, Holt and Nora O'Donnell. Nora and, O'Donnell, who um, did a great interview, by the way, Dave, uh, with somebody recently, I think. Dave, and, yeah, yeah, and David Muir. I talked to David Muir. David Muir, Muir yeah. Uh, no, I, I actually talked to the, a guy who runs visuals at the New York Times um, the other day about how they, and it was an amazing project. If you have a chance, go back and look at it. Um, it was the uh, Richard Brooks, who was the man who was killed in the Wendy's Atlanta, parking lot. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, by Atlanta police. And they synchronized um, body, uh, uh, police body cam footage with with eyewitness video and wow. security video from the Wendy's mm. and basically synced it all up so you have a really uh, clear picture of how that all went down. An amazing piece of work that... Uh, that they put together basically overnight and put it up on their website. And it's just, it's really good journalism because it, it gives you a chance to see how, um, how you do, how you hold people accountable and how things you, you get a firsthand look at, of what really happened. And so, uh, hard to watch, to to hard, to, hard watch. to watch I mean, yeah. all that stuff. I got to be honest with you. The, the families of these people, um, who have been, um, murdered for lack of a better term in some instances, um, but killed by police, uh, and, and I'm not, you know, a, a third of the people I in this neighborhood are police officers or law enforcement officers, so I get along with everybody. I'm not indicting the entire force by any means. I don't don't want that to be the the feeling people are left. But in those instances, and I think even cops you know, would would say, policemen would say that that just was you know a misuse of force or, or abuse of force. Um, but for those families to have to see this as many times in the media, Tom, is there any talk about? When is enough enough? Like, how many times do we have to see people die on the screen? Yeah, and I I would not even begin to speak for the family of, say, George Floyd, just to use that That's as what I'm example. saying. Like, yeah. even with the disclaimer, oh, this is tough, look away. Well, you know what? You know who can't look away? The families. Yeah, and I don't, and I, and again, I can't speak for them. I can't tell them how to feel, and I don't know. Right. I don't know what the, if their feeling is. But like, can you imagine how I, you I don't feel want to if that was your son, if that was your you know your loved one that was that was on on all those screens every minute of the day for i don't know how many times you have to show it but yeah and and but there you know and the, but there might be a feeling too as well as that that it's accountability um, yeah it's accountability and if and this can provoke some sort of change it certainly is not worth it i mean nobody's life is worth it right to do to, for that but um but maybe they feel like if there's something good that can come out of this then and and we can change the way. It's eight minutes and forty something it's seconds. It's hard. Like I can't imagine. No, for me personally, yeah. that would be nearly impossible. I, it's hard to watch, and I don't know George. I didn't know George. Well, it's hard for anyone to watch. Yeah, to to think that that was my son, right, or my brother, right, or my dad. Yeah. Like I can't. I can't imagine yeah. what they're going through. So, yeah, it's but um, difficult. anyway, and let's well, let me let's end on a good note. Yeah, um, your. Uh, there was a birthday at your house, right? Your daughter. My my youngest daughter turned eight years old, and um, eight Alexandra. going on seventeen or what? How's that work? You know what? She's actually kind of. Uh, I was telling Steve the other night, like she's right in between. Like her, the two things she asked for was a uh, uh, one of these dolls, but not just any doll, but a, a, one of those dolls that look. I don't know if you've seen these things. They're not cheap, but they they look like a real baby. In fact, they smell like one, which is bizarre. I don't know how they did this. These these they're just dolls. They're just baby dolls, essentially. But they're so lifelike that 
if you left one in a car, they'd arrest you. You know, like seriously, <laughs> like I'm, I'm afraid that like, you know what I mean? Like, like she's going to get out of the car She's got to be holding it by, her, by, the, by the foot and dragging it on the ground or something. Or yeah. something, yeah, because they look so real and, and that it's almost hard. And then the other thing, the other gift she wanted was like an iPod. So she's like <laughs> writing, but it's like BMW, baby doll yeah. and then an electronic, you know what I mean? So she's in between. If you recall, when we were doing radio, I only had, I only had one daughter. Right. Alexander was born while we were still we were still on the air, so it doesn't seem possible that she's eight already. I know. Um, it's how uh, well your kids were. I mean, you had, you had one that was still in, still they living at home, in, and one one was in middle school. One was, was just starting school, middle school. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. So is is this now? Either one of them are they gonna are they expecting a sweet sixteen and all that big party? Oh, I, no, I, you know, we're not we're close. We're not that. Like my oldest is going to be eleven next month, and um, now she is. Probably in in people years, she's probably like eighteen now, so I don't know what the next two years. How are they handling the whole coronavirus? Like, can't leave you know? The house. Surprisingly well, I think kids are so resilient that, um, like a lot of us, they've had to to adapt, and they're they're of the electronic age. What a nice, interesting benefit of this has been, and I don't know if this has happened to you and your family, um, with anyone or not, but. Um, I haven't. We seen had the ability. To... I don't talk to them anymore after okay. coronavirus. Well, that's I, I get it. You're upstairs in some basement, or you're downstairs in some basement. Or like We're on top of each and... other, twenty four seven. Oh, I know. I don't believe me. I love my family, but I found out how I need to be alone. You know me. I'm an introvert, and so after a while, I've said this. Yeah. I need my space. Like, like right. you, somebody has to go. Like, just leave me in. I just want a few hours by myself. Since everybody talks about, like, the extroverts, like, oh, they can't go out. They can't. They're like, no, no, the problem is the no, introverts. No, it's a problem with the introverts. You, you can love your family, but believe me, you need that space. Like, you, right. you, you thrive on it, and it's just not happening. Um, but the kids have, they've, uh, uh, even though they had the ability to do this with FaceTime, the, it, you know, being, um, especially when they were homeschooled or you know, doing the virtual learning and all that and not able to go anywhere, now they're starting to mean, you know, starting to get back together with neighborhood kids and things. But at the time, um, it was all, you know, Zoom calls or FaceTime. And they connected with their cousins in other, like in Chicago and different places mm, around okay. yeah. like every day. Like doing playing games online together, um, you know, while they FaceTime. Like it, it's it's interesting because it's actually furthered their relationship with their with their interesting. with relatives. Because they're all in the same place, right? They can't go play soccer and do stuff in their hometown, right? So they're they're connecting in ways that I never thought that that would happen, which is really cool. Steve, how Steve, how old are your kids now? I have six and four. See, now I my wife and I have been talking about this because my you know I have my oldest son's in New York City and my youngest one is twenty three and he's not even here half. He just graduated from college. He's not even here half the time. I cannot imagine going through coronavirus with a six year old and a four year old. Mine have, been, mine have been pretty good. Um, I, I really can't complain. They get along really well, which helps. Yeah. So they, you know, they love playing with each other, you know, all day long, no matter whether it's video games or building they're Legos. They're both boys, or, right? Yeah, they're I both mean, boys. Two yeah. boys, yeah. Or whether it's, you know, kicking the soccer ball outside or throwing the baseball, whatever. Um, so it, it hasn't been too bad. And, and luckily when we did virtual schooling, the four-year-old isn't in school yet. So right. Um, it was only one of them had to go through that part, so. Yeah, wow. That would suck for him. The other guy's up playing all the time. I'd be like, come on, man. This isn't fair. <laughs> actually, he would, to school? actually, he would sit over the six-year-old's shoulder and, and trying to learn you done? with Are him, you done? which was nice. No, actually, he was, oh, he was trying good. to learn. Oh, that's and, good. You know, you're doing the videos on math and reading and this, and he's trying to, you know, he's picking up a lot of it, actually. So, Yeah, oh, we yeah. talked about this before. I repeated fourth grade this year. 
or fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought I passed it the first time. As I tell my kids all the time, they want, you know, like, Dad, can you help me? I was like, I've already pa- I know I got my, my high school diploma. In fact, I have my college <laughs> diploma. And, bec- and it's really a cop-out for me because I can't do the work that these fifth graders are doing. Like, they're doing math problems, and it's algebra. And I'm going, I sucked at algebra, and I, but I know I passed fifth grade, so I'm not going to do it again. And sure, sure enough, I've had to take – so I got an A, I want you to know, in math, fifth grade math this year. I, got I don't know a. how you did it because I, I – you know what? And it's weird. It's like so everybody's hard. having these weird dreams now, right? Everybody mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. these, like, really intense dreams. It's a thing. I've, I've they are. It is a thing, yeah. My the dream that I'm starting to have a lot is that I am like woefully behind in a math or science class. Mm. Like, I haven't read any of the stuff, and I'm supposed to take a test. I've had that dream several times. Really, over a recurring the last dream? Month or so, yeah. Wow, it's super weird. Oh, yeah, no, I, over. I, I don't. Yeah, I haven't had those. I've had. I have college dreams usually, and it usually surrounds baseball, which takes us back to where we begin. <laughs> Thanks, um, that's right. Of me, of me saying, bring it, bring it, bring it. Wait back, wait back. Ah, <laughs> oh, there's a slider again, and he's out. I just remember getting rung up so much in college. It was unbelievable. It was like I had umpires that I swear to God, before I even got to the plate, they knew they were going to call strike three on me. It didn't matter where As soon as you walked up to the plate, as soh, yeah, they're like, the oh, I'm punching. Oh, I'm and punching the umpire's going, oh, and two. <laughs> yeah, I'm punching this guy. In fact, there was this one umpire that was so bad. He was terrible. I'm telling you, he was bad for both teams, but he was really bad for us, and he was really bad when I was at the plate. And I almost got tossed out of The only time I ever got tossed out of a college game, I would talk to the pitcher thinking that somehow the the, the umpire wouldn't hear me. Well, if he heard me, he, what could he say, right? Right. So we'd throw a strike right down the middle of the plate, and the guy called it a ball. And i go, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, that's all right, Charlie. Throw it right there again. He can't call that a ball day, man. You just keep throwing that thing over the plate, man. And, it, and finally, the umpire goes, time. And he comes out halfway to the infield. And he goes, one more word. And I go, what? I'm talking to my pitcher. He goes, you heard me. So what do you think I did that day at the plate? <laughs> took oh, the collar. Took the collar. And I'm telling you. Golden Sombrero. <laughs> oh, my God. Anytime there was two strikes, they could bounce it up there. I swear to God they could bounce it. And he'd tell me it was at my knees. This is when Angel Hernandez was a college uh, umpire? <laughs> well, that's what – and then the weirdest thing is like – so after the game, so you take the collar, right? You almost got run. And then you go into your locker room, and you see the home plate umpire yucking it up, drinking beer with your head coach. And you're going, wait a minute. You're mad at both work? of them now. The yeah, coach now, I don't the- want, now I don't want to play for the coach, and I hate the umpire, and I want to go in there and start giving them some lip again, except now I realize that if I do that – I'm picking on one of my, my manager's best friends. So it was just weird. Well, the last thing, and we can really end on a good note, Did you? because we are talking about Super 70 Sports on one of the recent podcasts. So I saw I that. love that. Speaking of Angel Hernandez, so I guess he got in trouble recently, just the other day. Really? For, uh, there was an incident last year with the Rays and the Red Sox and over whether it was some sort of rule whether the Rays should have lost their DH because they made like a double switch or blah, double blah, blah. switch, yeah. And Alex Cora was managing the Red Sox, and I think he played the game under protest. So there was a meeting, a conference call after the game, and Angel Hernandez was supposed to be on for a part of it, and then he was supposed to hang up, and another umpire was then supposed to come on. And they were supposed to talk about what had happened. And apparently, according to the Major League Baseball, they're investigating whether or not Angel Hernandez actually hung up or stuck around on the phone and listened in like he was not supposed to. And of Before course, or so, after he gave his testimony. After I mean, he but, gave his testimony. And apparently, so, but well, either way, he was wrong when he wasn't supposed to be on the line. And now Major League Baseball is looking in to see if he violated really? some sort of rule. And so <laughs> Super 70 Sports said, 
So only Angel Hernandez, and I'm gonna I'm gonna clean it up. I'm gonna give you the PG thirteen version instead of the R rated. Only Angel Hernandez could somehow find a way to screw up being an umpire in 2020. There hasn't been a game, <laughs> and this guy's I'm in trouble saying, like, for he's doing getting something. Getting in trouble stupid. now. <laughs> they don't wow. even play games, and he's in trouble. They had a uh, Super Seventies had a thing where it was it, you know how they do these baseball cards, and it was it was a former pirate. Was there a guy named Al Cash? Is that was that a guy? Dave Cash. Dave Cash. So I think it was Dave Cash. He had like sideburns or something like that. <laughs> Probably, yeah. And he looked he looked <laughs> for all the world. They had this picture of him, right? I think it was from a baseball card or something. He looked for all the world like a pirate. <laughs> like, for whatever yeah. reason. Like he had the he had the beard and he had the like the out of control uh uh sideburns and things. Right. <laughs> they go Dave Cash or Al is Dave you said was Dave Cash? Dave Cash, yeah. right? So it said yeah. it said something like Dave Cash who took to playing the, to, for the Pirates so seriously that he went on the DL with uh, shivered timbers. <laughs> <laughs> the guy is so funny. He's really it's good. It's so good. He's really good. Yeah, you got to check that out. And you got to check out Tom Jones's newsletter on pointer.org, P-O-Y-N-T-E-R, and he joined us two days in a row. Some great, great podcasting here. Thanks, Tommy. We appreciate it. Always fun. Thanks, Rick. Hey, my thanks to Tom Jones for two terrific days of the podcast. Always fun. Time just goes by really fast. Had a lot of fun with him. And uh, tomorrow is our popular mailbag segment. you got time to get your questions in still, and we'll read some of those on the air as well. You can ask about anything, the Bucks, the Rays, the Bolts, USF, college football, you name it. Just bring it to us. Do that by submitting your questions on Twitter to us. At SportsDayTB is our Twitter handle. You can reach me at NFL Stroud or my email address, is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 